Before we get on to the main part of today's podcast, I just want to ask you, have you got your ticket for Make It British Live yet? It's on the 17th and the 18th of March, which is not that long away. And you can find out all about the event at makeitbritishlive.com. And you can also register for a ticket. We'll be announcing the speaker lineup and the agenda for the event very, very soon. So watch this space, or should I say, listen to this space for all the announcements. I hope to see you there. You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. I invite you to join me each week when I'll be sharing the stories behind some of the best British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offering you advice and tips for making in the UK. So let's crack on with the show. Welcome to episode 105 of the Make It British podcast. Last week was a funny old week because it was the week that the UK officially left the EU. And I suppose a bit like when we had the millennium, when we had the year of the Y2K thing going on. And there was all this hullabaloo in the run up to it. And then, you know, you woke up on January the 1st, 2000 and life just kind of still felt the same. And I don't know about you, but that's kind of how I feel about Brexit at the moment. Obviously, we've got the next few months where we transition out because we're kind of in this waiting room at the moment. So I did think, do I even mention Brexit on today's podcast? However, the business that I'm visiting today is a heritage brand that's been going in the UK for over 80 years. And it did make me think there are so many UK textile businesses that have survived so much more than Brexit. Whatever it throws our way, there are some some of those businesses out there who are just real survivors. And today's interviewee is one of those. Well, not him personally, but the company he works for. So today I'm taking a tour around the Pantherella Sock Factory. I went to Leicester just before Christmas and I met up with Justin Hall, who is the MD of Pantherella. And he himself is from the Hall family, which has a long tradition of making socks in Leicester. And I chatted to Justin, as you'll hear as we walk around the factory, about the new things that he's bringing into the business to bring it into the 21st century. There's quite a lot of noise going on in the background because it is a tour around the factory, but As you'll hear, Justin just loves geeking out about all the machinery that he has that makes socks. And if you haven't had a chance to see how socks are made these days on the sort of modern machinery they have, I highly recommend checking out the show notes for this podcast, which you can find at makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash 105. That's the numbers 105. Take a look at the show notes because I'm going to put a couple of the videos that I took whilst walking around the factory showing you how the socks are made, both the handwork that goes into linking them together, but also the modern machines that replace that handwork. And just you pop in the yarn and a sock just seems to just pop out of the bottom. It's fascinating. But obviously, I love visiting factories, too. And I hope you love listening to this interview where I take a tour 
around the Pantherilla Sock Factory with Justin Hall. So here you go. Thank you so much for having me at the iconic Pantherella factory today, Justin. Do you want to um, tell us a little bit about the history of the Pantherella sock business? <laughs> um, Pantherella was established in 1937 by a chap called Louis Goldsmith. Um, he came to Leicester from Europe um, and had a vision to set up a fine gauge, um, ho fine gauge hosiery uh, business. Um, I think the um, from very early on, well, the, the factory now is still only um, you know, 50 yards, 20 yards from where it first started. Effectively, it started out in a very small unit over the road, grew onto this site here, and uh, slowly grew to fill the whole block. Um, and even at one stage, had warehouses elsewhere. Um, it started out supplying fine gauge hosiery in a time when the majority of everybody's socks were all. Um, coarse, thick, rough socks. Um, and you know, he came to Leicester, the, the capital of uh, hosiery in the UK, started working with machine manufacturers to uh, work with finer gauge machinery, finer needles, um, and finding suppliers for uh, finer yarns as well. So um, in terms of, sort of you know, the, the, the quality of the machines had to be improved, the quality of the yarns had to be improved. Um, but very, very early on, I think he's found some success in that area. And actually, you know, testament to that is actually that you know, from some of the early records we've got, that we've been supplying Harrods since 1946. Mm. So, you know, these, these socks were recognised by, you know, the best department stores in the world at the time, um, still are today. Um, and, and we've stayed in, stayed in those stores as a recognised premium quality hosiery brand ever since. So what is the secret then to the kind of the fine socks you do? Is it that the, the machinery was made specially for Pantherella? Because like, there was machinery suppliers in Leicester, wasn't there, back yeah. in the day? There aren't any more. Uh, no. Um, so I think literally within a mile or two miles of the site we're on now uh, was a um, hosiery machine maker called Bentley. Um, we've still got one or two Bentley machines on site here. We're not running them now. Um, but Bentley made effectively, um, at the time, uh, mechanical machines. Uh, uh, originally, they'd have run from um, uh, steam um, engines that would have run a big, um, uh, uh, I forget the name for it now, a big, a big rotary bar or something. That, would have, that all the machines would have been attached to one spinning bar that would have had them running. Um, Effectively, you know, the, the, the Bentley machines um, were some of the best, or the best, um, earlier on quality machines in the world. Um, in terms of their ingenuity and, 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 and things they brought to the market was, was fantastic. Um, and actually, you'll go to, I've been around factories abroad, where I've walked into rooms now that are still running 100, 120 of these machines. Really? Yeah, and that's, that's, in, that's in Turkey and I've yeah. seen them in China. Um, and they're running these machines and that factory shut down, stopped making machines in 1980s, late 1980s. They still work yeah. and they're still running. Yeah, because they're effectively, they made, they made machines that were um, uh, simpler to run. They knit a good sock, they still knit a good sock. There's mechanical components, you can effectively make new components still to replace them and keep them running. Um, they're just not quite as um, clever as some of the more modern machines that you can change programs on more quickly, you can change knitting qualities more quickly, um, but once they are set up and running, they knit good socks. Mm. Um, they're just, you know, they're, they're not 
really any much slower. Um, there's only a little bit more work to be done. And in this modern day and age, you know, you, you also, it's simple in terms, you don't need compressed air, you don't need central suction. Mm. What you need nowadays is an electric motor to spin them around. And that's it. So it's quite simple to set up. Yeah. So you're very knowledgeable on socks. I believe you're the fifth generation sock maker in your family. Do you want to tell us about the family history making socks? <laughs> Um, well, the original family business is H.J. Hall. Um, it's still a well-known, well-respected sock brand in the UK. Um, so fifth generation. So um, uh, John Hall um, established the business in 1882, um, just outside of uh, just outside of Hinckley, a small town in, in Leicestershire, um, in a place called Stoke Golding, um, running a very small set of machines um, with local local employees from the village um, and started selling you know what were um, uh, traditional fairly um, uh, heavyweight socks to the farming community effectively mm. oh, really? and just okay. steadily that grew you know year on year um, and then uh, and about the sort of it grew and grew in Stoke Golding to the point it was moved into a bigger premises in Stoke Golding and then in the 1970s um, when my father was in the business um, uh, and some of his siblings uh, it moved into Hinckley into mm-hmm. a bigger site there um, and you know, through um, through some quite inspired marketing at different stages um, you know coming up with the indestructible socks which was still part of the collection today really um, based around the introduction of nylon you know brand yeah. new fiber of its day um, uh, heavily marketed well marketed by my grandfather um, and then um, uh, moving on in the um, 30 years ago <laughs> um, was the launch of soft top which was a you know uniquely patented uh, construction of sock that m- had a non-elastic top which meant you didn't get ring marks around the top of your socks mm-hmm. um, you know, very comfortable sock um, wearing a pair today um, they <laughs> they um, they uh, found a new market there and that really um, yeah, it's a patented sock um, it's quite unique to have new technology in socks in those days um, took uh, over you know, a significant part of the market in terms of um, supplying a functional need to a large part of the, the, the sock world yeah. which is fantastic and, and all through that time also um, uh, working a lot with the Ministry of Defence in the UK and having the military contracts to supply the Army, Navy and Air Force and things so all through that time and you know it's heyday in the 1990s um, getting up to 250 employees uh, manufacturing socks in the UK so was it a given that you would go into the sock business or you <laughs> did you go straight into it no I didn't no <laughs> no I didn't I didn't um, I, I, I did my fair share of packing boxes but when you were a kid um, yeah as teenager. a teenager yeah. yeah exactly school holidays coming yeah. in helping out learning about a bit here and there but you know actually technically knowing anything about socks was was way beyond my my uh, knowledge at the time. Yeah. Um, so I did leave. Um, uh, went to university and did a mechanical engineering degree. Um, oh really? Oh, so still useful with the machines then, the engineering. Technically, I, I've got a um, technically um, inquisitive mind. Should we yeah. Say. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I kind of I, I put it here that I'm not. Um, 
I haven't got the depth of knowledge of our sock mechanics um, here, um, but I kind of I put it that I know enough to be annoying. It's probably, <laughs> the, it's probably the, 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 how, how it's easily phrased. Um, so I, I know enough to be ask the right questions and, and to be inquisitive mm. about so it. So you studied engineering and yeah. then and then and then uh, decided I wasn't necessarily keen on a full on, on a, on a, on a uh, thorough engineer. Uh, right wording probably the full-on engineering yeah. uh, career um, so I actually um, joined um, a graduate scheme to train as a uh, management accountant right did that for three or four years qualified as an accountant uh, then joined a carbon trading business in London for a oh. couple of years um, and then decided that really it was about time I maybe considered what the options were back in Leicestershire um, and took the plunge and joined Panthrella in 2009. And what changes have you made to the business? What, what's happened to the brand in the last few years since you've joined? I think the brand has been well established in a lot of markets for mm. a very long time, you know, before. So the family business um, bought, bought into Panthrella in 2000, uh, 2001 from Burberry. So mm -hmm. it was Burberry's sock factory for Yeah, that's a while. when I worked at Burberry and I was in the accessory department. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So I, I didn't know that. But I never came to visit. I, yeah. I worked with Johnston's on some of the cashmere. I, yeah. Someone else must have been covering the socks at the time, so I don't... Yeah. Okay. So that's that because Burberry were making all of the socks. Yep. Sorry, Pantherella were making all the all socks, the socks for Burberry. Burberry. Yes. Yeah. And they still had Pantherella's brand running at the same time. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Burberry had it as a loss-making unit for a while, mm. and that's when my father stepped in to go. Actually, I think we can buy this and make something of it ah. and, and make it profitable again. I see. Yeah. So your father bought the business from Burberry. From Burberry, yeah, that yes. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So you know, with his sock manufacturing background, um, I think he recognised the um, incredible um, history and reputation that Panthrella mm. has in the market, effectively mm. around the world. Yeah, definitely. Because um, I think that's that's one of the things that in the UK, I don't think people appreciate. Not many people know about Panthrella. Mm. Um, but oh, I also, think they do. This, it, the, those in the know know <laughs> yeah. about Panthrella that, that, that do you know that that that, that inquire into um, quality and provenance of products. Do. Mm. Um, you know, certainly the reputation on Savile Row and German Street, mm. you know, people know who Panthrella is. Um, you know, and Harrods and Selfridges and Liberties, you know, mm. you're not going to be in those stores unless you have got a certain level of reputation. Um, and, but it's around the world as well. So, you know, in, in America, the top department stores there, you know, Bergdorf, Goodman, Neiman's, Barney's, um, Nordstrom. Um, and then, you know, quite a few hundred um, premium menswear stores as well mm. around the US. You know, it's a fantastic business. But, but we've been doing that um, since the 1970s mm. or earlier. You know, that's kind of, I've met people at shows saying, I remember my first job was sending the telex back to the UK with the Panthrella orders on. You know, so it's kind of, um, it's, you know, it's, it's quite um, humbling sometimes to, to, to kind of come across instances of how long Panthrell has been out there in the market um, mm. supplying socks to premium retailers, basically. Yeah, known for being such great quality. So is the secret, one of the secrets to the quality of socks, in the because you hand-link the toes still, don't you? So do you want to explain we, to us? I know we're going to go and look around the factory, yeah. and I'm sure I'll see that, but do you want to explain to people sort of what that is and why that makes the socks so special? Okay, there's there's a transition in the in the technology that, that comes in here, which I'll explain. Um, certainly, when you're knitting a sock, you're knitting a, a, a tube, effectively. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so at some point, you've got to finish the tube and you've got to close the toe off to, mm. so it's not got a big hole at the end effectively. There's different ways of doing that. And certainly one of the ways traditionally was always hand linking. And that's one of the things that Pantera is renowned for, having a smooth link toe mm. seam. Um, and hand linking effectively gives the consumer a smooth toe seam so you don't get um, uh, the potential for blisters or, um, or rubbing or soreness across the toes where that linking seam is. Um, so the technology's moved on. Um, we still do some hand linking on site mm -hmm. here. Certain socks are hand linked still. Uh, but actually that technology now, when you're buying cutting edge machines from Italy, which yeah. is now the main machinery um, uh, source, um, uh, high quality machinery source in the world, um, majority of the machines you can buy from there now do have a hand linking facility on the machine. Right, so it does so, it all for you? Yes, it does it for you. So it cuts out, you know, this in terms of improving productivity and things, you know, um, it, it removes a few operations um, because hand linking was very expensive mm. on the grounds that you actually had to do a lot of operations, not just the hand linking, which is tremendously slow um, and requires, you'll see as we go around, an enormous level of um, a skill. Mm. Um, uh, but it, actually the machines, the technology, the precision with, with which these machines are now manufactured to be able to align 100 or 120 stitches on one side of the sock with 120 stitches on the other side, um, you know, fractions of a millimetre um, in terms of precision to line these things up and then to then sew through these as well. Um, it, it's it's the, the, the technology is a little bit mesmerising when you're actually yeah. watching Yeah, oh, I look forward to that yeah. then. Brilliant. Um, I, hear, I hear you're doing some sort of eco sock. I think as, as a business, uh, we, we've been endeavouring to, to try and improve our contribution to, to environmental standards. It is hard, very hard in, 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 the, in the world, in the marketplace, when you, know, you consume energy to run machines, you use water to wash socks and things. There are certain initiatives you can do to reduce that. We've done that over the last five years in yeah. terms of we don't always wash um, full wet process, wash everything now. We've enhanced doing steam tumbling. That's reduced the water usage quite a bit. Um, we've invested in new boarding machines that use probably about only about 25% of the energy of previous ones. Um, and uh, one of the other things, obviously, is then, you know, focusing on raw materials. Mm. You know, what materials can we use that will help um, reduce the impact of the socks um, or the products we put to the marketplace? So one of them is an Ecolux sock that we've just mm -hmm. launched that will be going to market in December, January time yep. for spring, summer 20. Um, and that's working with suppliers on a recycled cotton, cotton and um, uh, recycled um polyester as well so you know it's it's being able to find the materials that that have those uh environmental benefits um but also finding them such that they actually align to panthrello's uh, premium quality levels yeah. as well yeah um so great we've been able to do that and the stocks stand out and you know we're really excited that there's some um uh, certain key accounts such as selfridges have bought into it and they're doing um, looking to launch that in their store fairly soon. Mm. Brilliant. So, plans for the future for Pantherella then? What What's next? <laughs> um, it, it's it's constant evolution within the sock range, really. You know, we're well well, well known for launching um, probably one of the most um, uh, one of the, the broadest collection of socks every mm. season. 
you know, we tend to market in Pitti and Florence every year um, at the big menswear show um, over in America as well. Every every season there's launches there. Um, and the sheer color and variety we take to market is is fantastic. Um, so that's one of the key areas of focus we're still we're still looking to support and back and, and take new new yarns to market and new ideas and new concepts. The other key area that we're looking at as well at the moment is a little bit of um, product diversification. Um, as a brand, um, we've been well known for socks for a number, number of years. Um, and one of the key aspects of our socks that make them different to other people's has always been the provenance and the high quality of the yarns we're using. Um, and really, we've uh, looked to build on that um, and, and take something else to market um, that really our consumers will um, recognize and respect us for as well. So we're actually going to be launching scarves on our Ooh. internet site. Um, should be happening this week. Um, so this podcast so, will probably go out in January, so they'll okay. be launched. They'll be launched by January. With your eco socks, so we can yeah. link to that eco in the show socks notes. will be there online, absolutely. Um, and certainly scarves will be launched by then. So we've, uh, we're launching um, scarves based on the yarns we're using in our mm. socks. Oh, so matching scarves so, and socks. Exactly. Matching your Brilliant. scarves and socks is, is definitely um, doable now. So we have a fine gauge scarf based on some of our fine gauge socks, a leisure weight wool merino wool scarf um, and then thirdly a cashmere scarf as well um, very well because of our well regarded cashmere socks effectively yeah. um, so you know, we're really uh, pleased with how they've come through um, and the colour offer we've got in there as well um, and we think you know that, that, that they're going to be well uh, well received by our consumer base basically Brilliant. So will I see those being made today when I go around the factory? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're actually working with a um, partner factory in Leicester. So we're working right. with somebody who's very local to us. Um, so we're using our yarns from here. We're selecting the colourways and we've worked with them to uh, come up with the right construction for those mm -hmm. scarves effectively. Yeah. Um, so then we've been able to tend to market from here. So they're made in Leicester. Yeah. Um, down the road using our yarns. Mm. Um, Brilliant. Brilliant through onto our website. Brilliant, so can we go and have a tour around the factory? Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic, let's yeah. go. <laughs> Lovely parquet floor, look at that. <laughs> yes, it's, it's what old factories have had, isn't it? They've yeah. All this kit. Right, so we'll just pop down to the yard store, so you'll see it isn't, it's, a, it's a rabbit warren of a factory, um, just how it's grown up on the site. Yeah, it's a bit like John Smedley factory, is a, is a bit like this. They've got yeah. lots of corridors and tunnels and... Hi. Uh, right, so this is where are we this now? Is the, we're in the yarn store. Um, we've got two and a half thousand individual bays in here, um, and each bay is probably about you know, uh, two and a half foot by two foot high. Um, we will store um, separate merges in each one of these bays to keep them separate. Um, so, like I said, we've got about five different cotton counts, four or five different wool counts. We've got silk. We've got two different cashmeres. Um, and we've got two different nylon counts as well and things. And then you've got nylon lycras and things. Mm. It's, um, 
There's an awfully huge big variety of, of colourways in here and merges as well. What's the noise in the background? Like the, the noise sound. <laughs> the noise, the noise <laughs> in the background is it's actually the heating for the room. It's bringing in hot air from the knitting room. So we've yeah. got central suction in the knitting room that's sucking air through the machines the whole time. We actually switch the exhaust to come through into here. Yeah. Um, so it carries warm air through from there into here, basically. So we've actually, believe it or not, had um, a BBC recording crew in here yeah. um, recording that noise um, <laughs> uh, for a BBC um I think it was a podcast or, or on on uh, the sounds of industry and dying industries or changing industries in Leicester. Um, and there was an exhibition in the Curve Theatre in Leicester yeah. around it, the sounds of Leicester. Oh, and they, they were focusing on not just this kind of eerie <laughs> yeah. sort of, uh, noise, but also, um, as I mentioned, the Bentley knitting machines that were, 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 you know, there was thousands of them around Leicester um, only, you know, only 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, it was focusing around uh, the noises of those machines, of uh, how they, you know, the clickety-click noises of yeah. the mechanical yeah. sort of sounds. Um, so they came on site and actually recorded some of the noises really? from, from here as well, which is Brilliant. quite interesting. So it's going to get quite noisy when we get into the knitting room as well, isn't it? It will be, yes, yeah. on my pitch. So this room here, we, we weigh in and weigh out every batch of yarn so we know how much we've got on the shelf by merging colour because um, even you know half a kilo of yarn for us if it's used as a small stripe in something half a kilo of yarn could mean the difference between making 120 pairs or not mm. um, so we've got very precise um, tracking of yarn quantities um, through the business brilliant right okay thank you thank you no problem yeah, it's kind of eerie that noise, isn't it? It echoes down the down the yeah. So this is kind of the QC room uh, for the knitting plant. Effectively, um, before we start production, um, the mechanics will set the machine up. They'll run the first sock off against the pattern and the colorways. Then it gets handed over to the quality assurance team who will come in and inspect and check that sock against the standards that have all been set by design. Um, so there's a big wall behind us with three or four rows of uh, socks on hangers. And there must be, I don't know, about probably 750 yeah. different um, styles and different colors on the wall there. Um, for the guys to be able to check against. So some of the checks, <laughs> some of the checks we're doing um, are size checks. So this is you'll see as a lateral stretch test. So obviously um, in order to get socks to fit properly, um, you know how loose you knit them or tight you knit them will affect the fit. Um, so here we've got a standard machine that will allow us to check the width of the sock. <laughs> that man there's checking the uh... checking the lateral stretch. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's about having control machinery that will allow them to do that. Show the stretch. We also then also will check the length stretch as well, mm. um, and that gives us a you know an accurate um, measure of the actual knitting qualities and the um, dimension of the sock. I mean we're dealing with natural materials here. Um, we're dealing with machines that have got variable adjustments on them as well. Um, it's quite important to actually check the sizes as you're knitting mm. to quite high tolerance, otherwise you can end up with um, baggy or loose socks or overly tight socks mm. um, through production as well. 
One of the other things we're doing, just because we have to be walking past it now, is actually uh, we've been doing some monogramming um, for our um, direct-to-consumer business, so online business. Um, it's been a tremendous success. Um, it's a really unique opportunity for people to buy special gifts for people that are personalised. Um, so that's something that certainly this time of year starts to get busier and busier and busier mm-hmm. with monogramming cotton socks, merino wool socks or cashmere socks. Um, it's a fantastic gift for people really yeah. personalised gifts so that's done really well for us just in this sort of machine store where we have a lot of variety of machines that we swap in and out of the plant depending on what style of sock we're trying to make or not um, but certainly in the back here I just wanted to show you um, some of the older Bentley machines that I mentioned earlier oh yeah look these are the full mechanical ones so these are we're kind of keeping these as museum pieces really rather than using them now I couldn't bring myself to throw all of them <laughs> no, away no you can't um, but you can kind of see the technology on there a drum of camshaft um, a chain that rotates round, and actually really in, in, in old school terms or in modern terms the programming of the machine is on that chain every link on that chain um, references one uh, uh, rotation of the machine cylinder um, and as that link as that chain moves round, you can attach different teeth to the chain to turn the cams to change the parts or change the actual knitting process um, of that sock and things so that's really kind of old school visible programming mm. you can see down that chain um, and that's even today uh, on the plant uh, people describe about how the, the sock construction there is part of the program that's called the chain which defines the actual structure of the sock and it's referencing back to the original machinery where the programming was on the chain right okay it's got a next generation along of actually italian machinery um and these are where you could make a sock um but essentially the sock would come off the machine i'm never sure how it would keep it off um it would come off the machine that's not one um uh, inside out um, with an open toe ready to be hand linked um, and you'll start to see on the plant now when I walk you around um, actually how this generation machine's moved on again um, and we're now able to fully link the toes on the machines. So on the machine at the moment you can see that this is machine has finished knitting the sock it's now just lifting the sock off the 200 needles when we knit fine gauge 200 needle socks it's transferred those stitches across to the linking head taken the sock out of the cylinder and now close the cylinder back over drop the cylinder head down slightly before it starts hitting the next sock in the meantime it started to link the toe together on the sock that it's just finished knitting so it's moved, that's moved to the secondary part of the machine going to fold the 100 stitches over onto the other 100 stitches and then it'll start sewing it together take each machine to knit a sock if it's longer than you think like watching each, it all going round. Yeah, each leg it can depend on, on um, heavier gauge machines it's a shorter period of time you've got less courses to do less, less um, rotations but it's anything from anything from three and a half minutes for a heavy gauge machine up to sort of five or even six seven minutes if you've got a very complicated sock where it has to knit slowly so this is an area moving to the hand linking area now um, so 
a lot of hand linking is now done on the machines, as I talked through earlier, but there are certain machines that don't aren't able to knit um, certain varieties of socks um, that do still do still need hand linking to maintain that that premium quality and that smooth toe seam. Um, we still do have to hand link in here. And actually some of those are the Ecolux socks that we can look at now. Morning. morning. Hello. So here you can see this is the some of the Ecolux socks, very bright oh, colours, yeah. variety, and it's a mild type sock, which does make it one of the hardest socks to hand link. I was going to say, you're yeah. Trying to spot those colours as you're feeding them onto the stitches, onto the needles. Um, but you can see here how you've got that smooth toe seam now, mm. um, where stitch by stitch they're joined together. Mm. So, uh, someone like this lady yeah. here, how long would she have trained to do hand-linking socks? Ooh, well, I think typically in the past when we've trained hand-linkers, um, it's been well over six months to get somebody up to a proficient speed um, and skill level. Um, it's, it's very hard, hand-eye coordination, concentration against the needles. Um, and again, there's, there's differences within the technique here as well, that somebody may be able to work on a cotton socks and get quite proficient, but on wool, it's a different um, skill again, slightly, slightly different tensions and things, um, and working on 96 needle versus 200 needle versus 240 needle. Um, very complicated to make the switch between different needle gauges and, and fibre types. Mm. Brilliant, lovely to meet you. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, is this, yeah, is this dyeing, finishing, steaming? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we've, we've come through at break time. <laughs> um, essentially here, um, this is where we will um, wet process the socks and finish them so they're kind of effectively ironed and, and ready for to, to go to the shops. So one of the key things is after knitting is relaxing the stitches back to their more natural, comfortable, long-term state. Um, so there's a variety of different ways of doing that. Um, all the work comes down here in bags. We have to separate that into like colours and like fibres um, so they can all get processed in batches um, and equally like sizes if we can as well, but I'll walk you out the machines. Effectively, there's two choices here. Depending on the sock fibre, um, will depend which route we take it through. So, for instance, cashmere, um, we will do a full wet process and we'll be uh, tumbling also to um, uh, give them uh, give it its, its soft hand feel as well, so milling the socks slightly to, to loosen up the fibres, give it the soft hand feel. Um, so we've got a wet processing machine that we'll do small batches in here. It's like a full washing process effectively. Um, and then we also have a steam tumbler uh, where for certain other socks where um, the uh, socks themselves don't need to be um, fully wet through. Uh, we do use a steam tumbler, it injects moisture and steam, relaxes the socks back and also adds a bit of softener at the same time. Um, but that, in effect, uses less energy, less water, slightly more environmentally friendly um, in energy use and things than, than a full wet process. So where we can, we use that process, otherwise we use a wet process to ensure you know, high quality finished type products. Um, so from here, they then get separated into their relevant sizes. Um, to then move on to the boarding machines where the socks are loaded onto metal legs that have already been preheated by the machine. Um, they're, almost, they're pretty much too hot to touch. Uh, the socks will go on damp onto those legs. They'll move around then into a steam chamber where they'll then be steamed at up to, um, up to three bar, which effectively sets the uh, sock and irons it flat onto those, onto those sock legs. 
but I'll, I'll show you a new machine we've got next door. It may be running um, to show you one of the recent investments we've made to try and improve that process. So here, this is uh, one of the recent investments from business. This is a new boarding machine. It's the first one we've had in about 15 to 20 years, actually. Um, largely because technology hadn't moved on that much, but more recently it has. Um, one of the key things about this machine is it's, it's the only one in the world. Mm. Um, we've worked oh. with a machine manufacturer to help produce this for ourselves. Key components is it's got two steam chambers rather than just one, and that allows us to control the steam pressure around the socks a lot more closely. Um, it means that we actually um, uh, also gives us a greater dwell time on the machine per sock set, so that we actually um, get the rib setting that we need as well. So presentation in shops is enhanced. Yeah. Um, and the key difference between this machine and the older machines is that actually, because we're doing individual sock chambers, it actually uses an awful lot less steam than the older machines um, by oh. uh, by a fraction. So you know, it's well under fifty percent of the steam. So and that the saves loads of energy then. Yes. Yeah. We're still we're still working to quantify that. Still new machine. Um, but you know, broadly in terms, we know it does that, but to see it in the manufacturing environment and actually track it over a period of time, that's what we're doing at the moment. Brilliant. So that makes, starts making your socks have less of a carbon footprint. Excuse the pun. Absolutely. Absolutely, <laughs> it does. Absolutely, it does. You reduce the amount of energy drastically. We've got a very big boiler at the moment, and you know, we, we should be able to be uh, reducing the energy we use in that boiler an awful lot by using this machine yeah. as we transfer more and more of our production onto it, basically. Mm. Plus, of course, your socks, we're talking environmental footprint, yeah. last a lot longer. So it's better to buy a Pantherella sock, which lasts much longer. Indeed, you've done all the testing. And I think that's one of the key things that everybody's got favourite socks in their drawer. Mm. You know, there's, there's the socks that are at the bottom of the sock drawer. They're, bottom, they're, they're at the bottom of the sock drawer <laughs> for a reason. Um, and it's the ones at the top. And I like to think that Pantherella socks should be the ones at the top. And that's because quality fibres we're using and the colour that we're using on the socks mean that actually they, they maintain and look like new socks for longer. Okay, I mean, everyone's got old socks that haven't quite worn out yet. That, that's why they're in the bottom of the sock drawer. You've not thrown them away because they've got a hole in them, but they look tired, they look old. Therefore, you don't wear them. Panther socks look newer and, and, and look fresher and brighter for longer. Mm. Um, so it's not just the wearing out, it's the look as well. Brilliant. Sold. Right. <laughs> Do most of the people that work in the factory live local, very local yes. to here? Yes, the majority of people, you know, you've, you've arrived here, you've seen that, that it's a traditional old factory, it's yeah. been here for decades now, there isn't on-site parking, and actually, um, majority of people working on the shop floor, majority are walking into work. Mm. It's just far easier for them, they live mm. in the local vicinity. Yeah, because you're kind of in a residential street almost, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, we're surrounded by houses. Yeah. Literally on every side there's houses. Mm. So, um, you know, it, it is, uh, we have to be mindful of uh, our neighbours and things, um, but certainly, you know, there's a lot of houses around here, a lot of, a lot of employees do walk to work. Um, so at this, this point here through production, um, we get to the point where we know where the socks are going, whether they're going for the Panfella brand or maybe it could be some other German street or Savile Row brands. Um, we know where they should be going. So effectively here we start printing the tickets and applying the packaging, whether it be a foot transfer with a heat stamp uh, or whether it be just printing the actual tickets out. We'll just see around here how we apply them. How are we 
Right, so we've got, we've got the tickets here and we're sewing on the individual tickets to the, to the socks. We're using just a single thread and a single stitch. It doesn't damage the actual sock threads underneath and that's you know pretty important when it comes to um, silk socks where they've got very fine threads and if you're not careful you can actually um, break the threads in the sock and obviously mm. leave yourself with a hole. So you know, selection of machinery here and selection of how it's done is quite important. Great, what a fantastic place you've got here, Justin. Truly amazing, thank you, thank you very much for showing me around. That's all right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Make It British podcast. If you're interested in finding UK fashion, textile and homeware manufacturers, then you should definitely come to our trade show, Make It British Live, on the 17th and 18th of March, 2020. There'll be some of the best UK factories there for you to meet, as well as a series of inspiring talks, just like the ones that you listen to on this podcast. It's the perfect place to network with others that want to see UK manufacturing thrive. To register to attend, just go to makeitbritishlive.com forward slash register. Or if you want to find out about exhibiting at the show, visit makeitbritishlive.com forward slash exhibit or drop me an email to kate at makeitbritish.co.uk. I'd love to hear from you. I hope to see you there. Bye bye.